sermon cap and let you guys know that I just spent that entire time of praise and worship uh, conversing with the Holy Spirit as uh, my sermon was being rewritten right there. So as you guys know, there's a theme here. If you've seen my other sermons, I can never get through one on the script. We're already starting out that way. So uh, it's going to be a good morning. Um, we are continuing in the series, What Matters Most? And I think what the Holy Spirit wanted this morning was for me to be a little candid with you all and let you know um, that this, the past few months, though there's been a lot of beauty and a lot of uh, things going on in my life that are great, uh, new addition, Lorelai, and the family, has been, amen, it has been one of the most stressful seasons that I've ever walked in my life. It has been a season that has broken me, has knocked me to the ground, has left me in the fetal position, um, both figuratively and, and really. Um, and, um, and so when Pastor Mike asked me to preach, I just had this excitement. And even though it was another thing on the plate, I just had this excitement. And for those of you who don't know, um, I'm the vice president of a parent company that has two different companies, uh, completely different industries, so that keeps me busy. Uh, I just opened my own screen print and vinyl shop, um, so that keeps me busy. Uh, a father with two daughters, that keeps me busy. And uh, lots of other things, a youth director here at City on a Hill Church. And so there's so many things that are happening. And uh, sometimes it's, it's really important to just stop for a moment and actually figure out what matters most. And if you noticed in that, I didn't come right out with my spiritual life. I started listing my to-do list. And many of us, I'm sure, do the exact same thing. We, we, we love the Lord, okay? For those of you that are in relationship with Christ, you love the Lord. But when you're in the trenches and you're taking grenades, even though you know the right thing to do is pray, it may not be your first thing to do. You're, you're dodging, you're diving, you're trying to do. If you're like me, I'm a fixer. You know, I don't know if you've ever done the Enneagram, but my wife had me take it, I think, so she could deal with me better. And... Um, and, and I'm an eight, and, and so I, I'm trying to fix everything. I'm trying to make everything happen. And so that can just weigh on you. So it was so refreshing to prepare this sermon and get down to what truly matters most. And that is our spiritual life. And that is our walk with Jesus. And so when we get down to that and we uncover that and we embrace that, we understand the power that is in there. Because, see, what we're talking about this morning is we are talking about eternity, okay? We're not talking about all of the hardships we go through in life. We're not talking about praying, you know, because my, my hip hurts and, Lord, can you... No, we're talking about the Lord sent His Son to die for us so that we can have eternal life. And once you put that up, once you put that in front of your eyes, it is so much easier to deal with the life that, is, that you're walking in. And so we're going to take a moment today and we're going to read from John chapter 3. So as I, I prepare for that, if you have a Bible, if you have your phone app, you can look at your phone, it's fine, uh, 2019. And um, if, if not, it's printed on your, your program. And so we're going to look at an interaction between Jesus and Nicodemus. Now let me let you know, there's 21 verses here. We could literally spend six months in these 21 verses because there is so much 
It is so, there is not a sentence in this that does not have a backstory or a meaning that is so much deeper. So with that said, I'm going to try to be concise, but I just kept reading and researching and commentary to commentary, and I tell you what, it filled me up. So I'm going to encourage you to go do the same thing. I'm going to try to give you some of the backstories and the nuances of, of Nicodemus, but I'm encouraging you guys, go home. Some of y'all got some time off this week with some turkey and some other stuff. Just take a minute and just, just dig a little bit, just a little bit deeper, because the Lord will uncover what it is that you need to get out of this for the season that you're in. So um, let's start at verse 1. John 3, verse 1. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. Now stopping right there, you see Nicodemus is a Pharisee, and I don't miss the fact that he came at night. I don't miss the fact that when the other Pharisees were doing something, he slid out because he saw Jesus doing something different than what they were doing and in many ways against what they were doing. But Nicodemus felt something, something so powerful that he had to go see him and he had to pull him aside and have a one-on-one -on -one because this wasn't about the other people. This was about Nicodemus. And so you'll find out that Nicodemus is one of the smartest ones in Israel. He is a, he is a teacher of, of, of the faith. He is a, uh, a Sanhedrin, which is a very elite group. So Nicodemus knew what was going on, but that day he felt something special. Don't miss that. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. How can a man be born when he is old? Nicodemus asked. Now, this sounds like a question I would ask. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. That's sarcasm, I swear. Now, he might have been for real, but for me, that's sarcastic. But the truth is that as, as a, a member of the Jewish community, Nicodemus was under the impression that eternity was theirs. They thought as a descendant of Abraham that they were, what's this born again? I'm going because I was born who I was. I was physically born Jewish, and so therefore I am able to go to eternity. And Jesus just flipped the script and the table on him and let him know that is not the case. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. Jesus just said, you are a teacher. You are a teacher of all things heavenly. Why is this shocking to you? You need to pump the brakes and reevaluate what you've been learning and what you've been spitting out. Because that goes against what Jesus is absolutely there to do in that moment. And mind you, just a backstory. We talk about being overwhelmed in life. When you're reading the account of Jesus, he's overwhelmed. He knows he is taking all of our sins to the cross. He knows the outcome of his life. And if that's not overwhelming, because it's overwhelming to me, and he did it. But just thinking about it. I mean, I, I've watched The Passion of the Christ so many times, I... I ball like a baby, y'all. I feel that movie. And so I couldn't imagine being Jesus in this moment, having this conversation. But that's why he's Jesus, and I'm not. 
<clears throat> the wind blows wherever it pleases. If you uh, were part of uh, Pastor Mike's Taekwondo program, you know this verse. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell it where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and you do not understand these things? Whew, I would not want to be on the other end of that conversation. That's like Pastor Mike coming back and correcting me. I'd be like, oh, Lord, but it's Jesus, so it's even worse. Now it's that he can come back and correct me because, you know, it ain't Jesus, so we're good. Let's move. I don't think anybody's recording this right. I tell you the truth. We speak of what we know, and we testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? Wow. His thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. That's going to come into the sermon in a minute. No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. So you're talking to the expert right now. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. Now, here's where I struggle with this sermon, because this is the depth of our religion, right? This is why we believe what we believe. Christianity, what's coming up in this next verse is one of the most popular verses we've ever heard. And with that, it sometimes can, we can take it for granted. We can hear John 3.16, we can see it on billboards, we can see people wearing it, and we cannot understand the magnitude of this verse. God, help us if we take this for granted, because this is why we're here. This is the very verse why we're here. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. But don't miss the next one, because the next one is comfort. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. Let's finish it out. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. We needed Jesus. There was no other way around it. You know, I've watched many sermons about the Ten Commandments, and, and the pastors love to get up there and start reading them and asking, well, did you follow that one? Well, yeah. Then they throw in the loophole. Well, no. And all of a sudden, you're 0 and 10, and you need Jesus more than the sermon started. Okay? So, we, by nature, we are evil. We, we have evil desires. We have sinful nature. So, we needed Jesus. So, everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives, listen to this, by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what he has done has been done through God. May the Lord add his blessing on his word this morning. So as we unpack that briefly, because I know y'all got places to go, but as we unpack that, we look at Nicodemus first. And many of us can align in some way with Nicodemus. He's a good man. He's a religious man, a devout man. He fasted two days a week. He prayed two hours per day in the temple. He was a professor of theology. Now I'm out. I was out when we fasted, just to be honest. But um, 
No, I mean two days per week. I have fasted. Don't go writing stuff. I'm just saying like two days. God bless him. But at the same time, we continue on. On the outside, everything seemed good, but something was missing. And you can tell that he knew something was missing. And when did he know something was missing? When he came into contact with Jesus. When he saw Jesus. See, sometimes I get jealous because I'm reading this 2,000 plus years later. He was there. He got to see Jesus performing miracles. And he said, wait a minute, something's missing. And so he went. It seemed as though he knew a lot, <coughs> excuse me, but maybe he didn't feel a lot. And many of you might know that. We're going through the motions. We, we you know, religion can be a lot about the motions. Sorry, I was sick a couple weeks ago, so I'm going to have to do sign language in a second. Good thing you all showed up. Uh, <coughs> Jesus explains to Nicodemus that he didn't need to improve his moral standards or increase his knowledge. He told him he needed a new quality of life that happens on the inside. He needed eternal life and the change that comes when we accept it. He also let him know clearly in there that he could not eliminate his objections. He could just shrink them. See, this is where faith comes into play. Faith, when we're talking about faith, is very important. Because if we understood every aspect of God, if we could wrap our minds around every part of the Bible, is it worth following that? No. The Lord's thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. He is way beyond what we could ever imagine. He is moving in ways that we couldn't imagine. And therefore, we need to have some faith. Now, I'm not telling you to have blind faith. I believe that the scriptures will stand for themselves. I believe we have seen time and time again where people investigate, and I'm talking investigate. I'm not talking about just reading them. Yeah, that sounds good. I'm talking digging in. Uh, Andre got me onto the case for Christ and Lee Strobel and, and all of those. God's not dead. Go, investigate, read, ask questions, pray and ask questions. Try to figure out because I promise you it's not blind faith, but there comes a point when you don't have every answer. And that's what Jesus was telling Nicodemus. You have a world of knowledge at your fingertips, but you don't have it all. You need to have faith in what I'm telling you. And so once that faith comes in, we begin to move on to something. Um, we begin to accept Jesus into our life. And so many of us have not heard of the message of salvation as the new birth or born again message. This may be the first time you've heard that. Um, it's not for me, but I remember when I first came to church, people were talking about being born again, and I was Nicodemus. I'm like, what y'all talking about? What is this? What's going on? Answer it. The truth is, we're talking about an inside thing. It's not a physical statement. So it's not being born again physically. It's being born again spiritually, and it's also something that continues to happen. We are continuing to be renewed. We are continuing to be filled up. We are continuing to battle the demons that live inside of us. <coughs> We are continuing to become the person that God has called for us while on earth. But once we accept Jesus in our life, eternity is there. As long as we don't turn from Jesus, as long as we don't run from Jesus, but the best part is we can still turn back as long as we have air in our lungs. Because there's somebody here this morning who maybe hasn't been to church in a while, and you're not really sure why you're here, but I know why you're here, and it's because the Lord had this sermon for you. Because maybe you were born again, but now you need to be born again again. Because now is your day to turn back to Jesus. Now is your day. 
And now let's go to the fill-ins. I'll get back on track, I promise. Um, man's, uh, man's basic problem is first spiritual, then social. Pastor Mike said a statement, he said it many times, but the first time he said it, it really stuck to me. We cannot have social reform without spiritual renewal. We need Jesus. We need Jesus in the hearts of our people. I always say, imagine what happens if a church like this goes out into the world and, 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 and is the hands and feet of Christ. Well, the best part is we get to see it here, right? We get to see things like care fest and transforming our world. We get to, you do not take the parade for granted. Do not take the parade for granted. I know we get to go and chuck beads and candy and all these things, and we get to have a good time. But there are people out there who are looking, and they are seeing. And, and, and my favorite statement, I share it all the time, that I have ever heard at a parade, is somebody said, man, who doesn't go to that church? And I said, exactly. You are welcome. You are here to come. You will meet somebody from every walk of life in our church. We are blessed to have so many walking testimonies of the grace of God, of the transformative powers of our Lord. And, it, and if you don't have a story, just turn to the person next to you. They will be happy to show you a before and after. Because we are walking testimonies of the goodness of our God. Um, John 3.19, so light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. We were predisposed to sin. We are attracted to sin. Sin is fun. If it wasn't fun, why would people do it? Let's just be honest. Let's not beat around it. Here's the deal. It's fun, but it's not right for us. There's sometimes things seem like fun, but it's not going to move you forward to the goal that you have in your life. And so it's important to do that. The second fill-in is conversion means turning. We have to turn. That's what happens when we give our lives to Christ. He will turn us around. He will face us in the direction that he has for us. Because he has a plan and a future for each one of us individually. See, this lesson is going to continue on in a very individual manner. Because your faith is your faith. It is not somebody else's faith. You don't go to heaven because the person sitting next to you believes in Jesus. You go to heaven because you believe in Jesus. And here's the deal. When life gets tough... Their faith is not going to sustain you. It will help. Believe you me, I have a prayerful wife. I have many people that pray for me. But when the time gets tough, and I'm in my own mindset, and I'm alone, and I'm struggling, I need to call out to Jesus. So we need to turn. Uh, Ezekiel 14.6 says, Therefore, say to the people of Israel, this is what the sovereign Lord says, Repent. Turn from your idols and renounce all your detestable practices. The Lord is calling us to give something up today. Something that was never supposed to be ours. Something that tears us down. Something that turns, pulls us away from the life that he has for us. I don't know what it is for you. I may not even fully know what it is for me. But if we lean into the Holy Spirit, he will reveal those things to us. And he will open doors for us and give us the power to do it. So many people say, well... I'm going to go to church, but i got to get my life cleaned up first. Good luck. <laughs> I gave my wife at that point, girlfriend, I don't even know if we were dating when you first started inviting me to church. I gave her that excuse for like two and a half years. Now I'm preaching. So here's the deal. <clears throat> I would have never done that if I tried to get myself together before I came into the presence of the Lord. I needed Jesus then, and I need Jesus now. 
it is a continual, everyday, wake-up transformation that happens. Isaiah 45, 22 is another verse. It says, turn to me and be saved, all you ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. So we must turn from what we were focused on and focus on Christ and what he did for us. Uh, Jesus uses the wind as an analogy for this, and, and that works out because, you know, wind can sometimes be a subtle breeze. Sometimes it could be a whirlwind of a tornado. Sometimes our transformations look different than somebody else's, yeah. right? Sometimes the Lord grabs us, and in a moment, we are just changed. The lights come on. We can see clearly the thing that was holding us back. We leave in the dust. We don't even look back on it. Other ones of us, we are struggling daily with that. And the Lord is continually helping us along. And it's, it's a gradual motion, and that's fine. You know why? Because this is an individual thing. This is based on a relationship with Jesus. Um, that's because born again, I think this is our last villain, isn't just being reformed, it is being transformed. And there's a little tiny fill-in under that. It is an ongoing process, not a one-time process commitment. Here's the deal. We look in the Bible and we can find stories that we can relate to. We can find stories of people whose lives were changed. And for some of us, it needed to be a drastic change, right? We've seen some of those. We saw a prostitute become a missionary, right? We saw a foul-mouthed fisherman become an apostle. We saw a Pharisee become a believer, we saw Zacchaeus demonstrate the transformed life. This was in Luke 19, by paying back four times what was owed. See, uh, being reformed and being transformed are both necessary. A reformed person, though, would have just paid back what was, necess- what was necessary, you know, what was owed. But a transformed person goes all in because the Lord has taken you, shown you what it could have been, and now shows you what it's going to be. And you're like, listen, I don't even want, why do I have this? I don't even need this anymore. <clears throat> this does nothing for me. Excuse me. Let's get something here. Okay. Um, We can each face the same dilemma as Nicodemus, right? We can overthink it. We can underfeel it. We We can need to see everything plain, black and white, or we can just have that relationship with Jesus that we need where we talk to him every day when something is going wrong because we are continually being renewed and transformed. And uh, as I was, yesterday I was preparing and rereading and <coughs> going through the motions that the Holy Spirit just interrupts anyways, but I was doing it. And um, this came to me, and so I typed it, so I'm going to kind of read it verbatim just because I feel like when that moment happened, I needed to write this down. And I said, uh, there was only one perfect person to walk on earth, Jesus. Depending on how you look at that, it can ease your mind or give you pause for concern. I prefer to look at it this way. Jesus did not come in the world to condemn us, but to save us. We condemn ourselves. He came to save us. He is our lifeline. If you jumped into a roaring ocean, you would be crazy to not grab the lifeline that was thrown out to you. That doesn't mean that all is immediately better. You still need to hold on to that lifeline through the tossing and crashing of the sea. It isn't until you get into the boat that you are fully safe. Heaven is the boat. If you choose to let go of that lifeline at any time, it doesn't mean it's gone. It just means you're going to have to fight to get back to it. So the smart decision is that once you have it, you cling to it. Once you have Jesus in your heart, the world doesn't stop. But you can cling so close to him that you have no choice but to one day end up in the boat. 
in heaven. Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Here's the deal. I'm candid about my life because that's the testimony the Lord's given me. So I don't even know if that was supposed to go in the sermon. That might have been for me because honestly that's how I've been feeling. I've been feeling like I am gripping onto a lifeline, but I am crashing and I am getting hit in the face and I am dealing with it. But I'm clinging to the lifeline and you know what? When I stop and pray, I cling harder. And it doesn't hurt as bad. But when I start to let go and I'm only holding on by one hand, and so I too need to make sure that I'm stopping to pray in the moment, not after the moment. Because I need the strength of the Lord in the moment, not to recover me afterwards. I need it to even deal. And so somebody in here this morning is doing that, is dealing with that, and you just need to cling a little bit tighter to your lifeline. So this sermon comes down to a very personal moment between you and God this morning. You can't get into heaven by anything other than a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Jesus says that no one gets to the Father except through him. But it's a decision for you to make. You can't get into heaven off your mother or father's faith. You can't get into heaven because you attend a church of believers. You get into heaven when you accept Jesus into your life and allow God to transform you. Know this, as we just talked about in John 3, when God sent his son to die, he sent him to die for you. That was a very personal moment. Jesus felt that. We can tap into that. We have access to the same power that rose him from the grave. He has given us access to. The same power that overcame Satan, sin, and death, you have access to to help you overcome bills, finances, uh, illness, bad relationships. I'll tell you what, that sermon last week was incredible, breaking down those relationships. I walked out of there making like pie charts and Venn diagrams of people (laughs) and saying, Lord, I need to help this relationship and I need to cut that one. And so... That's a personal decision that you have to make about those relationships. This is a personal decision that you have to make about Jesus. You have access to all the grace and mercy and love that comes with Christ. One-on-one. He doesn't give it over here, so he doesn't have it over here. He has all of that for you. It's how much you lean into him. It's how much I lean into him. Maybe... um, It doesn't matter if you're a good person, because that won't open up eternity. It it doesn't matter if you stopped coming to church or turned your back on God. You are here now, and one of my favorite stories is the story of the prodigal son. So if you don't know that story, just like the father was waiting for his son to come back, God is waiting right now with arms wide open to receive you back. It doesn't matter what happened between them and now. If this is your first time hearing a message of salvation, it doesn't matter about the worst thing that you ever did. It's about the greatest thing that was ever done for you. So in a moment, we're going to pray and we're going to end the service and we're going to give you an opportunity. Because Jesus says, if you're not ashamed of me before man, I will not be ashamed of you before my Father in heaven. So when we pray, we give an opportunity for a hand to go up. And I want to let you know, you might not have it all together today, and you might be thinking, I can't accept Jesus today. You know, I got a rough day. I got some stuff going on. I'm going to clean that up. No, you're not going to clean that up without Jesus. 
You might be sitting here today saying, you know, I got some pieces of the puzzle, but I can't put the whole thing together. You're not. You're not. I researched this for I can't even tell you how many hours, and there's still so much to those 21 verses that I don't understand, and that's fine, because that means I need Jesus. I need him to help me understand how that applies to life. So whatever it is, the reason that you're here today, just know that God brought you here for a reason. This sermon has nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do with City on a Hill Church. This sermon was from the Lord, Holy Spirit inspired, right to your heart, because he wants to win you back to the kingdom. See, Jesus came to save. We were already condemned. Jesus came. He's not making a decision. He's saying, if you follow me, we're going to heaven. If you don't, that's on you. It breaks his heart. It breaks his heart. Because he died for everyone to go to heaven. But that's on you. That's a decision that you have to make. Bow your heads. I don't even None of this is written. Let's just pray. (laughs) Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you today. God, because I trust and believe that this word is for somebody this morning who, who came in maybe not knowing you, and is now hearing about your love and, and hearing and seeing other people react, knowing that transformation has happened in their lives. Lord, I pray, whether it be their first time hearing this sermon, God, or if they're coming back to church for the first time in a long time, or maybe they've been against you, maybe it's a Saul to Paul conversion, Father. I pray right now for their hearts, because Holy Spirit, I know that you are welling up the, the strength and the faith inside of the hearts of the men and women in this room right now to give their lives to you. What a better week as we're getting ready to celebrate Thanksgiving, Father, to, to be thankful for you and all that you did for us. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you this morning, if you say, hey, listen, I need Jesus more than I need air. I need Jesus to get my life right. I need Jesus to help transform me. I might have been messing up my life all this time, but I'm trusting that he can do something with it. If that's you this morning, would you just slip your hand into the air? I see hands going up this morning. Yes, God bless. Yes, amen. You may place your hands down. And everyone who believes, just repeat this prayer after me. Dear Jesus, I need you. Lord, I I have messed up my life. I I have not done what you wanted me to do. But God, I know that while there's still air in my lungs, you can use me. You can use me to bless my family. You can use me to bless my community. But most importantly, God, you seek to have eternity with me. And Lord, I want that more than anything else. Lord, I love you today. I give you my life, and I look forward to what eternity looks like with you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And all those said, amen. Let's give the Lord some praise this morning.